taking command is a story of how God, through a few questing and engrailed master masons operating in America, gave the world the gift of spiritual freedom. General Howe and Elizabeth are walking side by side ceremoniously with numerous officers approaching the Admiral's waiting ships which are ready to leave for Philadelphia. Admiral Howe is aboard his flagship with his officers watching their progress. Then we see Elizabeth stagger a little. The General is concerned as he steadies her thinking she has only stumbled. The officers behind her know she has not stumbled and are uncertain, but then she entirely swoons, and Howe is quick to catch her and gather her up with an arm under her knees. The officers, especially Patterson, are deeply dismayed and gather around. Elizabeth, Elizabeth, are are you all right? General Howe says she does not reply, and her head lolls backward. With Patterson's help, he adjusts his arm to bolster her head. Elizabeth? Howe asks. Anything I can do, General? Patterson inquires. Does she need the doctor? Cornwallis says. I will bring her to my quarters and summon the doctor if needed. All the officers remain very concerned as they share looks and watch carefully. General Howe carries Elizabeth with his officers close behind. They go up the gangway as Admiral Howe, leaning forward against the rail, peers down and tells his lieutenant to send round the doctor immediately. We follow them as all make their way to General Howe's quarters. The officers stay outside as Howe goes in with Patterson and they carefully lay her upon the bed. Lieutenant, we need water, Howe says. Elizabeth comes too. Patterson smiles and shows his relief, excusing himself. I am sorry. What has happened? Darling, you're all right. He sits next to her and holds her hand. She smiles weakly. I don't know what could have happened. The lieutenant comes in with the water and is relieved to see her conscious. Lieutenant, please tell the admiral the doctor will not be needed. Elizabeth is recovered. Elizabeth, have you had your... Oh, she says, perhaps you are with my son. She smiles, and the general smiles, and has welling emotion that he has to wipe away. Perhaps I only presume so, because I would be so delighted to think that you are. Elizabeth ponders it and says slowly, William, I believe I am. She smiles as she looks at him. E, my love. He lies next to her and encircles her in his arms. Elizabeth is tearfully overwhelmed by her condition and his happiness. This has never happened to me before, nor I. Thank you, God. Better now, Elizabeth? Yes. Howe is in a joyous mood as he becomes the intuitive planner. E wipes away her tears. 
Very good, my love. Perfect timing. This will be. Come with me. A little fresh air topside will do you good. How do you feel now? Perfect. How takes her by the hand and leads her. The officers are happy to see that she is better and extend their well wishes. General Gray. Elizabeth, I am so happy to see you well. Thank you, General Gray. Well done, Commander. They walk on. Gray does not know, does he? No, he thinks I brought you back to life. You did. They walk past other officers. You are better, thank God. Thank you. You are very much loved by my men, my dear. They are topside. The Admiral walks over. Are you quite well, Elizabeth? Yes, sir. You gave all of us seasoned warriors quite the scare. See you at dinner? Yes, I'd like that. Admiral? General? Alone, they admire the fading shore between Staten and Long Island. The Narrows, Hal says, I love. Yes, beautiful, but William, how can you say it's perfect timing? There's a war and you are in it. The timing is perfect, E. I will plan all around this most fortuitous event. How can you? General Washington, House says, is quite capable now of seeing America's cause through to the end. I hear the French will be thoroughly engaged soon. Elizabeth, all people of parts and spirit are in God's American rebellion. We did our part and will be able to leave soon for England. I feel the truth in your words. She looks out as the ship leaves the shore. No one is around. They speak low. I feel it all ahead of time, Hal says. Somehow it will work out. Like a battle, E. I always find a way. Mr. Loring and, Elizabeth asks, he will be in England, too, for propriety, but not with you, E. He has never loved you. I love you. To be in love, one must know God and do all for the glory of God. He cares for nothing but money and position. We will have both. And my wife? We are married because she waged a year-long campaign to win both my title and me. Marriage seemed the thing to do at the time, and soon I was back in service, and... Hal looks at Elizabeth, and she nods with nothing we can do about our past. I will write the necessary letters for my resignation before General Burgoyne's impending defeat happens. The king will agree. There will be an inquest into what went on. I will put forth certain reasons for my actions, if need be. Probably in May, I will leave and explain my actions. You will stay here with Ella, who, I hear from Patterson, might soon be engaged. Mum's the word. I didn't know you knew. We are brothers. They are all smiles. How says, our child will be born. John, in the beginning? What's the word? Elizabeth says, yes, amazing. The field tells me this is really true. William and Elizabeth share a moment in love. Of course, and when the time is right, Patterson and Ella and others will escort you on one of my brother's transport ships to England, where I will be waiting. Oh, William, that seems a long way off, and I don't know. My Elizabeth, 
as you have told me more than once, with men it is impossible, but not with God, E, for with God all things are possible. Tears come to their eyes. She speaks, smiling through her tears. Yes, thank you. I will not think upon it now. God will make the crooked way straight. All I have to do is go to my inner room within and close the door. I will be brave and do this. And I will work all out. Fear not. Never have I wanted someone more than you, my little Cleopatra. And now you bear the fruit of our love. How do you feel? Completely better, William. Hal looks around. They will be starting to wonder soon. I must see to business. Let me escort you to our cabin so you can rest a while. There is something there I want you to read. I have the letters of Joseph Warren and his fiancée, Mercy Scalay. She's a poet like you, my dear. They were like us. Joseph was in your moment with you. He died. Terribly sad then for his mercy. Oh, please. You will be careful, William, for I could not live without you. Not to worry, Elizabeth, and before you leave for England, please have Warren's wallet delivered back to Mercy. Yes, yes, how utterly sad and romantic. I will see that it is done. Back to her old self, she smiles bewitchingly again, and Patterson approaches. That's my girl. Patterson, look, Elizabeth is better. So I see. I'm so happy to find you well, Elizabeth, and as happy as ever. Beaming, as you are, General. Patterson studies his friend and commander for a moment and then knows. Patterson, is there anything else? Yes, General, the Admiral desires your presence. Tell him I will be there directly, as soon as I escort my Lady Elizabeth to our cabin. Very good. See you at dinner. Elizabeth, congratulations to both of you. They share a secretive smile. That will be all, Patterson, and mum's the word. Yes, sir, mum's the word. Scene 114. Four in the afternoon of July 30th. General Howe has called all general officers to Admiral Howe's war room on his flagship, the Eagle. Officers Patterson, Cornwallis, Major Balfour, Admiral Howe, and others are arriving to hear the change of plans. General Howe sees General Gray approaching. General Gray, a word. Howe leads him into a side room. Gray. You are opposed to our planned expedition to Pennsylvania. General Gray knits his brow and nods. Your opposition, General Gray, will grow when I announce my change of plans. General Gray waits and wonders what is next. You find our British operations to be inconclusive? Yes, General Howe. General Howe raises his hand. Brethren, Charles... Cut to General Howe and General Gray walking into the general officer's meeting. General Howe nods to Patterson and catches Cornwallis's eye. General Howe walks to the map. Gentlemen, there has been a change of plans. Faces are filled with some smiles of, here goes our creative commander again, and some frowns. 
The Jerseys will be abandoned for Pennsylvania. We will not land in the Delaware and go to Pennsylvania by land. The river is too well defended. Our fleet of several hundred transports will sail from the Delaware for the head of the Chesapeake Bay. My reasons are these. Secretary of State Germain wrote to Sir Guy Carleton that he would write to me with orders with the first packet. He has not. Perhaps his thinking has changed, nor have we received our additional troop requests. Since I am not in the guessing business and have not been ordered north to cooperate with the northern army, I can help Burgoyne's force by providing a powerful diversion and drawing Washington's main force to follow us to Pennsylvania. For a while now, Washington has most decidedly been avoiding a general action. He will, however, risk a general to protect his capital and rich farmlands in Pennsylvania. It comes to me quite clearly that he will not risk a general anywhere else. Thus, we go directly to Pennsylvania to make the most effectual diversion in favor of the northern army. Admiral Howe says, I quite agree. To offer assistance to the capable General Burgoyne, who will not be facing a general from Washington, would look like an attempt to receive a part of Burgoyne's success at Ticonderoga and possibly Albany, as well as Saratoga. Sir William Erskine says the next with very veiled sarcasm. General it is my view that we should reconsider our marine expedition and instead offer our assistance to General Burgoyne's army. I believe Sir Clinton and General Gray are in agreement that we must cooperate. General Gray, Sir Erskine, it is now my well-considered opinion that General Burgoyne has worked hard to secure success for the Northern Army. We should not take any of his glory for ourselves. Washington's focus will be diverted. Cornwallis, I quite agree with General Howe's plan as well. The officers in the know give a welcome nod to their friend, Gray. The Admiral looks to his brother and nods. Gentlemen, the Admiral says, I take my leave. We sail for Pennsylvania. Scene 115, officers meeting in Pennsylvania, General Howe. General Gray will show us the plan. Gray goes to a pen map of Chad's Ford area. At daybreak, Knipphausen will lead the right column at Chad's Ford in front of the enemy. He will keep them busy through the course of the day with cannon fire and the appearance of forcing the ford without intending to pass it until the attack upon the enemy's right takes place. The second column led by Cornwallis will swing wide round in an enveloping movement and come from behind. Neatly outflanked, Howe adds, cut to the battle theater where Hal Gray and other officers await word. We see a lieutenant officer ride in to General Howe. Sir, we have outflanked them. Your orders? We will halt for dinner, Howe says. Bring the message to the field. The lieutenant looks inquiringly at General Gray. Yes, Sir General Howe. I quite agree, Gray says. The lieutenant rides off, not quite sure. 
How? Later, if they want more gray, we will seize the high ground. Other officers move off. Hal whispers to Gray, when I leave, Clinton will be in charge, and together with the French fleet and troops, the battle will go Washington's way. They nod in Masonic fellowship. Scene 116, Winter 1778 in Philadelphia, Social Season Montage. We see Howe and Elizabeth arriving at parties and balls, elegantly attired. Moments of them dancing, banqueting, card-playing nights and receptions that all revolve around Sir William Elizabeth and his charming officer staff and their ladies. Wherever Elizabeth goes, she is treated as the first lady of the British Army. We see doors of splendid mansions being thrust open to receive them. There are nights when Howe drinks and plays cards with his men. We see beautiful women smiling at him and he at them, but always he is true to Elizabeth with the same intoned feeling that they share and mirror. All of these motif party scenes end with General Howe's ultimate farewell festival extravaganza. The festival for General Howe begins with a regatta upon the Delaware. 400 attendees are in galleys and flatboats that are lined with cloth, coverings, awnings, and dressed out with colors and streamers in full naval pomp. The fete begins with a grand water carnival on the river. The ferret galley leads the way. The Husser Gallery comes next with General Howe and his party, Elizabeth, Admiral Howe, Patterson and Ella, Sir Henry Clinton, Cornwallis Gray, and a host of others. Elizabeth and General Howe preside on throne-styled chairs where they can be seen holding hands and whispering. The entire event was imagined by Howe's Captain Andre down to the elaborate ticket to get in. How in ease, intimate circle gathers, Patterson. Elizabeth is particularly brilliant tonight, Gray. Indeed, entirely in a way, even for her, that I've never seen before. And what is strange is one would think she would be sad at his leaving. Ella, why should she be? He is hers, and she will be in England soon enough. They all look over at Howe and E, whispering in love as though the party had stopped. Gray, you're right. The general is bringing her with him. You both know already? You were told. We were not, Patterson says. One just knows, right, Ella? Ella smiles. Gray, woman's intuition, Ella. I will let James answer. God's intuition, Gray. Right you are, Patterson. Patterson looks over and sees Mrs. Murray beelining to them. Oh, no. What, Gray asks. The irrepressible Mrs. Murray is coming. Gentlemen and ladies, she says. How did you get on this boat, madam? Mrs. Murray says. I travel in the finest circles, Patterson. Are we not the general and Elizabeth's tributary stars? She is the center of the general's universe, and the best parties are given in her honor. It is here that one finds the cream of society and the bloom of intellectual wit circling her magnetic center. <laughs> I dare say, Mrs. Murray, Patterson says, Elizabeth would be quick to add, if any of us show forth a bit of glory, it is because we are God's underlings. 
await with heightened anticipation. As Mrs. Murray says, I stand corrected, Patterson, yes. God's mind shows forth in those of his facile grace. Ella looks with admiration at Patterson and quickly adds, In such a way has Elizabeth ever been magnificent. Her ease and perfection of self began at a very early age. Patterson nods to Ella with, Well done, guiding the conversation. Mrs. Murray says, I quite agree with Ella. She is the only one I have ever known who improves every time I see her. The subtle difference is her charm, Katie says. Of course it's her charm, Mrs. Murray says. Her sacred font intones her. Mrs. Murray looks over at Ian Howe. Ah, yes, and now feel how she intones the general. <laughs> Patterson says, excellent phrasing, Mrs. Murray, intones. I am starting to feel romantic. Patterson looks at Ella and hugs her. Gray, yes, I as well feel intoned by her at a distance. Mrs. Murray, of course, General Gray, she is brilliant. She is a hundred of us in one. Katie, I for one feel the general contributing to that stream. Captain Chris says, Katie? Katie nuances seductively, yes, Captain? <laughs> Mrs. Murray, it's almost as though something is added. Mrs. Murray looks a long time at E, and E knows what Mrs. Murray's takeaway is. What is added? asks General Gray. She says the next, looking at Patterson, who energetically hides all. Mrs. Murray, nothing, no nothing, is just her radiance. Gray, you do throw us off the mark, Mrs. Murray. Mrs. Murray smiles convincingly as she gives away all. No, no, there is nothing else. Katie, too bad they cannot divorce. Murray, why need they? They will go on. That's done. They will stay together. The boundaries widen there. Gray, General Howe will see to that. Patterson looks at Gray with a slight smile and a raised brow. Ella, it is so delicious. One wishes the entire thing would just go on, so this glorious play would never come to an end. Katie, in England, this will continue. Crisp, brilliant seasons forever, Katie. She glows. Patterson looks now at Ella. Ella, we should join in the merriment. Ella looks at him with, not here, as Patterson goes down on one knee, cut to Elizabeth and Hal. Look there, William. Patterson is proposing. Hal nods with a smile to the group. He has placed himself most advantageously for divine love, Hal says. Elizabeth, Ella would countenance nothing less. Cut back to Patterson. I hope this is the right place for this. I love you, Ella, with my entire heart and soul. Will you consent to be my wife and return with me to England? The entire boat flows with their romantic tributary. Ella smiles with love and pretends to vacillate. Oh, James. 
Yes, yes, I will. A cheer goes up and they kiss throughout it. Katie is ecstatic looking at Ella and then waving to E. How nods to Patterson. Everyone congratulates them and the officers sing. Cut to E and Hal. E says we should go over and congratulate them. We will shortly, my love. This is the perfect start to our eternal life together. He squeezes her hand, and no one knows. Elizabeth says, Nothing said but Patterson knows, and others guess at my extended glow. And now, Mrs. Murray, she cannot. I'm going to kill Patterson. He laughs deliciously. <laughs> I feel it even now, the whole thing. They were discussing us, and then it turned to me why I am glowing. And it wasn't enough that I am with the hero of heroes. Mrs. Murray has made sense of. She cannot. Nothing shows. William, she does not need an image. She is thoroughly conversant with the unwritten. Feel how she makes sense of the difference in me. Hal looks over and Mrs. Murray smiles back and nods, congratulations. You are right, my love, for sometimes yourself keeps me from my usual depth. And why might that be, Elizabeth says, in the beginning. Hal intones, shh, Elizabeth, it's not here, don't torment me, my love. Hal looks at Elizabeth feelingly. Your glow tonight is extraordinary, E. I would not trade this seat for anything. Whisper to me, E says. How looks? She looks at him bewitchingly. What you did not finish. The general moves closer and intones her with, What's the word? E closes her eyes and a smile starts to curve her lips. The camera pulls slowly back, and as Howe whispers more, we watch the beautiful spectacle unfold as the flotilla slowly drifts upon the dulcet strains of British music, which is played and chorused by a separate barge of minstrels. Then, two nineteen-gun salutes thunder forth as the procession passes the man-of-war buck and comes abreast the vigilant. From the shore, gaily attired, second-tier guests and spectators in the thousands observe this stunningly sumptuous rare event. The flotilla lands at the estate of Sir Harry Calder, which has been laid out with triumphal arches at either end of a great amphitheater. The company of ticketed guests make their way through the Admiral's Arch and between two solid files of grenadiers to watch a chivalric display in the center of the amphitheater. A trumpet calls and a mounted herald proclaims the supremacy of the ladies of the blended rose. Two knights appear and go to opposite sides of the arena where two beautiful women pin tokens of love to their knight's chests. The knights joust with lance, sword, and pistols. 
But before there are any casualties, Sir William raises his hand to the judges who stop the battle in the middle. The general and the admiral share a look and a smile about the middle. We see Cornwallis and Clinton in the gallery. Thank you for telling me, Lord Cornwallis, ahead of the show, for I might have rose up and left over this reminder of stopping in the middle and not finishing. No need of that sort of thing anymore, brethren Clinton. Still, Clinton says, remember, Clinton, success is in the hands of providence, but it is in every man's power to do his part handsomely. Our general intuited his part. You do the same. Yes, yes, Clinton says. The ticket holders, led by the guests of honor, Sir William and Elizabeth, pass through an avenue 300 yards in length and 35 yards in breadth, flanked with troops and decorated with regimental colors that end at the second triumphal arch. On the pediment of this arch, to General William Howe, stands a living figure of fame with a trumpet to her lips. As Howe and Elizabeth walk under it, he says, Ah, fame, who needs her, my love? No one but my officers, who are brethren in you, will ever know the secret motive behind all of this, why I did what I did. And God, God, William, whose work this is, will always remember and crown you with his glory, and then, who knows? Yes, how studies her, for he feels wisdom come to her as her eyes tear, my love, he pulls all together at X. Yes, someone in God's time will reveal what happened here, one with the second sight of your order, the rosy cross. How nods and entertains a moment of musing, possibly one who is bound and once was a grand master mason. E is lit with second sight. Yes, you are correct, William, how all comes to us when we mirror him. One day a cast will be made in your honor, for your intrepidity was on par with Wolf's. How feels all that she puts forth and does a double take. The guests pass into the estate mansion, and the dance begins to the music of a hundred instruments. We see moments of the dance and then the banquet that is held in a hall built for the occasion and equal to the grandeur of any English country house. At dinner, numerous toasts are proposed and made to the general, the admiral, the king, and to Elizabeth and the general. We see Howe's men, Patterson, Cornwallis, Gray, Kemble, Grant, Mackenzie, Captain Andre, and Balfour, toasting their general in the truest of fellowship as tears are wiped away. To the health of our sovereign king, George. To the valor of our general, Sir William Howe. The admiral and the general share a moment of handshake together, and then the admiral takes a green envelope from his pocket and gives it to his brother who recognizes it. For that day, the admiral says. The general nods and with utter confidence shows with a look that he will not need it. I will return it, brother. Captain Andre says to Elizabeth and the general, 
freighted with new strength and spirit. We are General and Elizabeth. Elizabeth rises, a toast to Captain Andre, who envisioned this splendid evening in its entirety. All say to Captain Andre, Patterson, let us all dance in honor of our Captain Andre. Captain Andre, how wears a general's potent gaze, one of, I want you. <laughs> Shall we, Elizabeth? Many of his officers catch that, so attuned are they, of one accord to their commander. As their eyes harmonize in agreement, they follow Howe and Elizabeth with their ladies to the dance floor. The camera lingers a while and then slow fades, as if it did not want the all of it to ever end.